Hi guys and welcome back to my brand new podcast, Tea with the Queen. Today I'm going to be talking all things mediation with a very special guest and a good friend of mine, Debbie. So welcome Debbie. Hi, hello. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Um, on today's episode guys, we're going to be talking about mediation, what mediation is, um, how mediation can help you in the family law context if you're going through a divorce or the breakdown of a relationship. And the reason that I have asked Debbie to come on and she's kindly agreed is because Debbie is a mediator, all things mediation. There isn't a question that I'm going to put to Debbie that she's not going to know the answer to. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so let's start first of all, Debbie, I want to ask you, what is mediation? If you're asked by the general person on the street, how would you sum up what mediation is? Um, it's trying to reach an agreement without going to court. It's literally working together to agree with whether it's your finances whether it's a parenting plan it's it's a informal way of agreeing without having a legal representation okay and what types of disputes can we discuss at mediation all types um, mediation covers um, family obviously we're, so we're doing dividing up at the family pot it covers children we're covering um, as far as whether it's siblings, it might be grandparents, businesses, all sorts. If, if you've got something that you need to sort out between you that you don't want to go to court, um, you can mediate. And is mediation confidential? I get asked that question all the time. It is mostly confidential, 99% confidential. The only exception for its confidentiality would be the financial disclosure, because that's never confidential, because that might be called upon obviously in courts at a later date or at any time and also if there's some sort of issue of safeguarding if there's something that's not quite right and there's a worry um, we're at duty to disclose that so other than that nothing tell me more about that safeguarding what sort of things would worry you um safeguarding if you were to come across say a client that explains that there's been violence and okay. that you know quite intense issues and problems yeah. and you felt that that person that you're actually trying to help and work within mediation was at risk okay and um, serious risk not yeah. just sort of somebody you know not not feeling very happy with each other but serious risk then you are at duty to sort of let someone know depending, sorry who would you let know depending safeguarding sort of agency yeah the police the police oh okay yeah. okay so you're not duty bound to do that but just from a sort of conscience point of view or as a mediator are you duty bound we are yes okay. we do have to sort of screen for any sort of issues along yeah. those lines so yeah if there was something that was a serious risk yeah obviously we would be duty to report it okay so we have a couple that are considering mediation yeah. is it suitable for everybody mostly i'd say and um, okay. sometimes not and there's situations and i think the most common situation is usually people aren't on the same page and um, it might be that the relationship breakdowns very new it's yeah. possible that um, it's only just broken up and where someone's in the position that party A is happy, ready to move on, they're out of the relationship and it's everything's over. Um, party B might not quite feel that way and it's all very new um, and then it doesn't always work very well. You might need some time for party B to catch up to, yeah. to where you are really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and situations like if you have got somewhere where people are the balance of power is quite different then, yeah. then sometimes that doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
So take us from step one. Where does the or how do people get to a mediator? How do you how do you get the referrals in? Um, well, I get referred from sometimes the system advice. Yeah. Um, very kind lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, people that sort of have recommended because they've seen me before. Yeah. Um, they can look us up on the FMA, which is the Family Mediators Association. Okay. Um, they can look um, just general. I mean, the government websites sort of tell you more and more about mediation. Yeah. And then people then tend to go off and search. Um, so, yeah, it feeds in from quite a few avenues, really. And that's important because as a family lawyer, um, for those of you um, that maybe aren't aware, guys, sometimes before you actually make a court application, the judges are saying that they want the parties to try mediation. Yeah. So as lawyers, we make referrals to mediators. But I'm always surprised when my clients say, well, how do I get in touch with the mediator? How do I actually, you know, um, do, can I just phone them? Can I approach them directly? Yeah. Um, or do I have to be referred a bit like being referred by your GP? Or does a lawyer have to refer you to a mediator? But what you're saying is absolutely not. You can yeah. Google your nearest mediator and yeah. just pick up the phone. Yeah. And I think it's nice if somebody knows someone that's seen a mediator, yeah. a referral where you actually know someone. Yeah. Um, it's quite nice. But yeah, by all means, you can Google and find a mediator that's close to you or not close to you because a lot of us work over Zoom. So you don't have to be finding one in your local area that you're going to meet somewhere. Mm. Um, it may well be that you're meeting someone, I mean, I meet people from all over the place and internationally, yeah. but um, yeah. we're just meeting overseas. That's interesting because since COVID, yeah. I know that the lawyer, we've been doing more and more work via Teams, actual court hearings via Teams as well. Yeah. Do you think that mediation loses any of its success, shall we say, by not having everyone together in the same room? Um, I don't. Some do. Um, okay. I think some of the people that before COVID always met face to face. Yeah. Um, and they might have a flip chart in the room that they use yes. or a visual aid that they've got that they sort of work with and they're used to. Yes. Um, I think they maybe would tell you, no, it's nicer in person. Yeah. For me, um, I've mostly worked over Zoom, so I find it quite easy to share the screen and work with somebody, you know, completely from yeah. start to finish, from yes. the intake meeting to the negotiations to the final sort of setting um, over Zoom. Have you done or had the opportunity to do a mediation face-to-face? -face? Yes. And do you find, I'm a big people watcher, do you find that by being in the same room, sometimes that body language can help you assess if this is going to be a suitable process? Or does that not come into your thinking? Um, I find that I'm doing that over Zoom as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. because you're sort of, the first meeting, because you meet each person individually, so yeah. you'll have an intake meeting, for person one yeah and have a good chat with them and sort of have a go through with everything that they're hoping to achieve yeah and you can sort of see you can pick up body language there so because they're talking to you one-on-one -on -one, um there's no one else in the room as such there's no other party there yeah um they're a bit more open so you can pick up on body language there that's um so let's say we get the agreement, whether it's face-to-face -face or, or via Zoom. Yeah. What's next? So intake meeting, which yeah. some people call them I am. Yeah. That person comes in, we go through everything, we screen, we look at how the situation is, what's happening, yeah. are they suitable for mediation, aren't yeah. they suitable for mediation, what are they hoping to achieve, where are they aiming to sort of 
try and get a resolution um, and once we've done that we'll go on to the other party and say we've met with A yeah. and they would really like to mediate but they're hoping to be able to resolve their issue through mediation are you keen to mediate um, and most times people are most times people sort of think okay well what have I got to lose yeah. I'll, um, I'll try mediation the people that say no is it compulsory if, the, if one of them wants to do it can they force the other person to do it? A bit no. like going to court. No. Okay. Um, it's interesting because you sometimes have somebody say, oh, you know, I've talked about it with my partner, my ex-partner, and they would like to mediate. Yeah. And then we go through the intake meeting. I will invite the ex-partner to mediate and they say no. Um, so there's been a bit of a miscommunication or someone's spoken about mediation and they're not quite sure what it is. Yeah. We tend to go back and say, you know, what do you know about mediation? Can yes. we have a conversation? Can we discuss it? Some people's perception of um, they kind of think it's like a informal trial or a bit yes. Judge Judy or yes. something going yes. on, but it's absolutely not. Um, and I think once you explain to people you're not there to make a decision for them, you're not there to solve everything for them, you're there just to facilitate them getting to an agreement. And what does that mean? What what does because my world is very governed by the legislation, rules, processes, procedures. So it's very easy for me to explain to a client exactly what a process is going to be. Yeah. Because ultimately, if they want the court to help them, they've got to follow that litigated process. Yeah. But facilitating an agreement, what does that involve? Well, it's sort of structured because yeah. let's say, for example, the finances. Yeah. Um, everybody has to fill out a form E which is very much yes. the same as what yeah. obviously it does through the courts. Yeah. Um, so once you've got all that information, you're looking to work together what we call the family pot. And the family pot and how we're going to break that down, how yeah. that works. Yeah. Um, and then we start discussions. Who needs to live where? How does that work with the children? Who's going to do what with the car? Um, and everything gets discussed. Yeah. And we very much say it's, it's an open discussion. We're yeah. going to look at many options. We might look at something that you hadn't thought of before. Um, and then we start discussing it and it tends to sort of have a bit of a natural progress really of people saying well I quite like this and I was hoping not to do that and I didn't really want to move too far and once you start talking about things yeah and what's good for the children and how that works for the children and going forward you can naturally progress so in my head it's a bit like the kitchen table discussions which is where I always tell my clients to start yeah. have a chat around the kitchen table see where you go from there but with the mediator present yeah. so what dynamic do you think the mediator brings is it just to provide the guidance so we that they start going off piste because you can't as you said you can't make the decision for them you can't influence them in any way so what does the mediator bring to the table? It is a bit like stopping them going off piece. Okay. It is a bit sometimes reeling it back. Yeah. It is a bit sometimes saying, you know, we need to keep focused future. Yeah. On what's happening going forward as opposed to perhaps discussing what happened in the past. Yeah. And sometimes you'll find people may get upset or angry and literally go off track slightly. But yeah. we just we just need to focus and sort of be back to this is where we're going, this is where we're heading. And hopefully, at the end of the day, we're saving you a hell of a lot of money oh, yeah. from going to court. Yeah, we'll come um, on to that. Yeah, and yeah let's, really do. let's try and resolve it. So people are fairly, fairly open to discussions once they're sort of back on track again. Yeah. 
because it's really emotive, I find family law and of course family mediation is exactly the same. People are either angry or they're teary, yeah. they're upset, they're emotional and, yeah. and sometimes highly emotional. Yeah. So from from my personal view, I think what the mediator adds is just that little bit of let's rein in the emotion. We're yeah. both upset, yeah. let's rein it in. Whereas I think when the same couple, if mediation doesn't work, get to court, the emotions are almost allowed to spiral out of control. Yeah. Because outside of the <laughs> form filling and the court required paperwork, the court has no further influence on that. These two people are not ever coming together at the same time with one individual. In fact, they're behind their solicitors yeah. telling the solicitors to do the jabbing. Yeah. So I think that the legal framework can be a lot more positional. Yeah, I agree. And also I think sometimes people don't necessarily want to see each other. They don't want yeah. to be on screen together. They don't want to be talking. There might be some conflict that they're not happy and one little look or one little, yeah. one little bit of conversation yeah. that sort of brings up something that was unhappy um, and then we'll talk about doing something called shuttle mediation. What is that? Shuttle mediation is literally going between the two of them. So they are off on a separate room, on a separate screen, and okay. I will go between, or if it's a co-mediator with okay. me, we'll go between the two of them discussing yeah. and bringing back ideas and suggestions and points and negotiations of where we're heading. But they don't have to see each other on screen. Sometimes you can see people getting a little bit agitated or a bit upset or it's... Again, emotional, like you say. Yeah, it's yeah, emotional. it really is. Yeah. So in your view, because we've already discussed that mediation is suitable for most people, but not everybody. Yeah. Sometimes people just don't want to do it, exactly. and that's fine. That, yeah. that's, that's their call. Would you say that mediation in the family law context is better than court? I would. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. But yes, I would. I think that it's less stressful okay. for me. You might tell me it's not. But I think that it's less stressful. Um, I think that people with their finances considering sometimes want to keep a lid on that family pot and not spend it with legal fees. Um, I think that it's a little more that you're actually making the decision for yourself. So rather than if things don't go very well in court and the judge ultimately decides, yeah. um, you're deciding between the two of you. So it keeps it between you yeah um, and it feels a bit more private i think sometimes people feel that by going to court and everything's airing in court and everyone's discussing everything sometimes mm. it's a little bit more private to work together that's that's my thoughts on I, and, and i hear what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> but what i am going to throw into the mix is that where i worry about mediation is where we maybe have a very strong personality and somebody that isn't able to stand up to them. Yeah. That's my first concern. Yeah. So whereas in the legal arena, you have a solicitor, not all the time, but a solicitor who is your voice. Yeah. And who you would hope is, you know, got your back and is a lot stronger and firmer with the other side to get what you're legally entitled to. Yeah. The second thing that I find sometimes when we get agreements from mediation is that there has been no forensic analysis. So you've mentioned the form E's and we're swapping the bank statements. It's down to the parties to then say, well, okay, you keep that and I'll keep that. 
Whereas the lawyers will go through and go, hang on a minute, where's that 10,000 that you downloaded from the pension back in, you know, 2016 yeah. and it's gone? Yeah. That's all missing from mediation. So as a lawyer, I sometimes worry yeah. that the mediation process may not bring about a fair and reasonable result. But of course, I'm talking about a legal fair and reasonable result. You're talking about a result that they are happy with or that they can live with. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think, A, there's always compromise. I think as well, you're right. Sometimes it is a power imbalance. Yeah. Completely a power imbalance. And we've said before, maybe go off, speak to your lawyer. Okay. We say that all the time. Yeah. Just check what they think. Yeah. And I often say... If you go away and say, what's my best case scenario and what's my worst case scenario? And the lawyer's going to say to you, well, you know, you should be heading between here and here. Yeah. At least they've got legal advice. And I say it countless times over. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not legally trained. Yeah. Um, but I do want to obviously tell you and give you some information, but I can't give you advice. And again, with the forensic side of the, for me, we will say, if you need a financial advisor, and some cases are big. And yeah. quite daunting yeah, and I'll yeah, look yeah. at them and think we're we're looking at a lot of money here that we're yeah. dividing up you do need to take some financial advice absolutely yeah so, yeah so we're very careful to make sure that there there isn't that power imbalance and if there is we can say you know we can mediate with the lawyer you know can the lawyer come in can we mediate with both lawyers mm -hmm. so we add that to the mix if you have a couple before you and you have got one very yeah. dominant because there'll be people out there that perhaps want to do mediation but are afraid of their ex do you stop mediation do you i know that you can bring in lawyers but i'm thinking for the couples that maybe can't afford the solicitors yeah do you as a mediator call it and say just this isn't suitable do you let it run its course do you take sides with the more vulnerable party and help them a little bit more because you feel they're being bullied by the other side yeah, mediators have to be impartial, which is okay. one of the rules of mediation. So you can't take sides? So we cannot take sides. Even if someone's being verbally bashed? Um, we can say that's not really getting us very far, and we can sort of call time on what's happening as far as how people are speaking to each other. Yeah. And that's often said, you know, okay. perhaps we need to reel that in or look at that, or, you know, we can't speak over each other. Yeah. We're not going to get very far. Um, but what we tend to do, or what I tend to do at the beginning, is say that we're looking for a fair and reasonable outcome and not something that's going to be a bit one-sided. And I often say to somebody, if I say at the end of mediation, we've all agreed and we're going to draw up this lovely memorandum of understanding and in there it says that, you know, A gets most of everything and B gets hardly anything. There's not really a judge that's going to say that looks good, let's stop that. Yeah. So we do say it needs to be fair and reasonable. So where we have victims, let's say, of domestic violence, yeah. Is mediation going to work for them? It really depends on them. Um, okay. It depends whether they feel safe to mediate. If yeah. they don't feel safe to mediate and they're still struggling or there's still issues and they're not happy, then don't mediate. And in your experience, because we've already discussed that a lot of mediation now can take place via Zoom, yeah. are there still circumstances where they wouldn't feel safe over the Zoom? Because I totally get if they don't want to be in the same room as their perpetrator, yeah. but on a Zoom call? Does that happen often? It doesn't happen often, um, but we have had clients that have said, I would really, really like to just not see him at all okay. or not see her at all. I've had a real problem, some real issues, and I just really don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And that would come into going to shut off mediation. Yeah, yeah. So literally going between the two screens or yeah. between the two rooms and just getting an opinion from each. 
talking to each and trying to meet reach that um, resolution. Yeah. So it really does work for anybody. I think the key takeaway message is if you're willing to do mediation, then give it a go. Yeah. I mean, we do have to screen, obviously. Yeah. There are situations where it wouldn't necessarily work and there are situations where we just say it's not going to work. I mean, I had a lady, for example, who was very nervous, very upset and yeah. had a physical panic attack, literally, of the whole situation. Okay. Um, and it's not suitable. I think it's too stressful, um, too much pressure. And maybe sort of in a couple of months' time, it was, again, a very new situation, Yeah. Um, which probably at the time didn't work, but maybe later it could work. Yeah. That, that is so true because a lot of times when I do my first consultation with a brand new client, at the end of that consultation, they'll almost be, oh, I'm so glad I've got that out of the way. I've yeah. been wanting to speak to a solicitor for so long. I've been so nervous. I didn't know where to start. I, I, I thought the outcome, the legal outcome would be so much worse than what you've just advised me. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think it sometimes... The breakup has to happen, not for everybody, but for a few, there has to be like a period of time yeah. before they can start anything, yeah. whether it be litigation or even mediation. You almost need your emotions to just settle and accept that it's over. Would, it, would you? Yeah, it is interesting because I find that people often say, oh, I was quite nervous about coming to mediation. And I think mediation's the lesser um sort of intense side yes. of things. I think mediation yeah. should feel more comfortable because you're making the decisions. But I yeah. guess in some cases, it's still unknown. It's the unknown of what's involved and how am I going to find it? Am I going to be okay? How does this work? Yeah. Um, and I think once you've actually had an intake meeting and you say to people, how did you find that? Do you feel comfortable mediating? And they're like, yes, wow, it was a lot better than I thought. Yeah. Then, it's, yeah. then it's nice to hear. Definitely less intimidating because once you get into the court arena, you get before a judge who is on the process or yeah. she's on the process. Yeah. So it's like, are the papers filed? No, they're not. Why aren't they? The, the, there's no there's no room there for any um, small talk. Yeah. You know, we've got a job to do. We're all here. Lawyers are being paid. And it turns into a very formal, structured, the clients aren't really in control. Let's yeah. be completely honest, you know. And to some extent, they shouldn't be. You know, yeah. they can't decide it themselves. So they're now before the judge. If yeah. you're asking the judge for help, then we're going to have to do it the court's way. Yeah. So you're quite right. I think the mediation process, they are so much more in control. So exactly. much more in control. On that then, can we involve children in mediation? Yes and no. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Most mediators, I think, would say 10 is a good age. Um, and 10 and above. And yes, they call it child-inclusive mediation. The mediators are specifically trained to deal with children, and I don't do um, child mediation. I'm okay. not specifically trained, but we have a lady who's lovely yeah. and does. Um, and her job really best describes as she's not asking the child there to sort of make the child feel she's making a decision or yeah. he's got to sort of think about what he wants to do next. It's purely thoughts, feelings, wishes, okay. and it's just something that she can then feed back to parents. And... We had a couple of interesting ones. There was a little girl 
um, who was quite young, um, yeah. and I'd heard about this through, I think, through a training at one point. Yeah. And she hadn't wanted to go to Daddy's on a Wednesday. Yeah. Absolutely adamant, not going to Daddy's on a Wednesday. And her mother was getting a bit panicked and a bit worried, and why was this and what's happening? And, you know, is this an issue or a problem? And it turned out, talking to the mediator, that she didn't like to go to Daddy's because he bought scratchy tights. So it was something very oh, simple okay. that she yeah. explained. Yeah. Um, that sometimes could have got out of control, could yeah. have been seen as something as an issue. And yeah. by talking to the child mediator, um, I think it sort of solved a few issues. So the parents aren't present when the child's talking to the mediator? No. Um, as long okay. as you've got the parents' consent, um, yes. both parents' consent, they do, yes, they're happy to talk, or they're happy for their child to talk to the mediator. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, um, let's say you don't have the other parents' consent. It's just not going to work then? No. It's going to fall down. Yeah. Oh, that's such a shame because it actually it, it is nice. We, in the legal arena, we have CAFCAS, who is, I suppose, yeah. the equivalent, not really the equivalent, but they are the people that will speak to the children, independent of mum and dad. Yeah. But, of course, we don't need mum and dad's permission. A CAFCAS officer is appointed, who is a social worker, and they will take down the wishes and feelings of the children. Yeah. Um, so that's because, as you say, sometimes parents get very positional. Yeah. You know, and it can be a bit mm. of a power struggle when it comes to the children. Well, I'm having them. They're living with me. No, they're living with me. And as you say, um, what mum can perceive to be not in the child's best interest is actually not even on dad's radar because <laughs> it's just scratchy tights. <laughs> it's nothing that we really need to be calling childline about. <laughs> yeah, it's something simple. Um, yeah. But I think lots of people are quite open to it. Most people I speak to, we talk at the intake meeting and say, you know, do you think that's something that you might be interested in? And most people say, yeah. yeah. I think it's nice for, for them to have a choice yeah. and to have a voice. They're going through it as well. Absolutely. So it's nice that they can actually speak and say, mm, I'm finding it a bit tough or I don't feel very good about this. Or, I'm not sure about that. And, you know, I think having done family law for such a long time, that gets forgotten. Yeah. Parents can become very wrapped up in their world. Yeah. You know, I've had to move out of my home. And I've had to now get a second job to pay for everything. And I have had to give away half of my pension. Um, and, you know, I only get to see the children every other weekend. Yeah. And you think, whilst I can sympathise with that, that is a consequence of, of the divorce or the breakdown, actually, we do have children or a child in the middle of this. Their world has also been turned upside down. Exactly. And, and I think... For me, mediation can help address that better than the court system yes. because the court system is simply going to be looking or analysing what's in the child's best interest. Apart from the child speaking to CAFCAS, which isn't a mediated environment, the parents have got no input on that. And sometimes, a lot of times, we get a child arrangements order and a year later my client's on the phone to me again. And I'll say to my client, it's got nothing to do with the order. It's got nothing to do with your ex. You guys can't co-parent. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in that mediation helps um, magnify that problem. It's yeah. about being able to co-parent after the relationship's broken down. Yeah. It's not positional. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree. And we often say, and I often speak to clients and say, you've gone from being a family so now you're a separated family. But for the children, it should just be just that. You're yeah. still a family. Yeah. You're just a separated version. Um, and I think having children have their say and saying, 
you know, worried about this or wasn't sure about that. I think the parents, like you say, they do get wrapped up in it. Yeah. And we have to say the children come first. In mediation, the children's needs come first. And we're going to start discussing the children and sort yeah. of look at, you know, what's best for the children. And, and people do ultimately, obviously, love their children and want yeah. things to be right. So a child talking to a mediator and having that inclusive angle on that, um, I think it's a good thing. Really beneficial. Yeah. So for those people that are watching and maybe they're already before or in the court system, can they press the pause button and do mediation? Mostly, yes. Um, okay. And I often have people say that I've got a court date. Um, we're due to be going to court in two months' time, but we're going to attempt mediation. And it's I sometimes feel a bit like I'm an option. <laughs> I'm under pressure here. Yeah. Let's make this work before yeah. they get to court. Yeah. Um, but it's a challenge, and and hopefully we can get to a resolution, and they can cancel the court date. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what we're hoping for. My end. I would also add to that that if I have a client that's at mediation and a few of my clients are with yourself, Debbie, <laughs> and they'll come back and say, we're making really good process, uh, sorry, progress, but the court hearing is a month away. Yeah. I would always be suggesting let's push the court date back. Yeah. Let's not scupper the mediation. If it's going really well, yeah. we, as long as we give the court enough notice, and I say this to those that might be watching, we can adjourn that, as long as both parties are in agreement, exactly. we can adjourn that hearing date because ultimately in the family legal arena, judges don't want to get involved. Yeah. You know, they want families to sort things out themselves, which is why they've almost made mediation not a compulsory process, but the courts do want people to at least try mediation. Yeah. So guys, don't feel that if you've started the court process, you've got to continue with it. We can pause that. We can adjourn your hearing. We can we can be very honest with the judge and say, great progress is being made at mediation. Yeah. Is mediation legally binding? It, it's not. We run to sort of start to finish with mediation and the end result would be a memorandum of understanding. Okay. Once we've got that memorandum of understanding, the clients will sign that. They have agreed. They've got to a resolution. But that has to be made into a court order. And that's where the lawyers come in. So in most cases, they've been sort of consulting with you or yeah. with lawyers all the way along. Yeah. So it's not a huge surprise as to where they've reached. And then they've got this memorandum of understanding that will go back to you. And um, actually, you can change all the wording. Yeah, <laughs> we have to change the wording. <laughs> and then it goes, obviously, to be made into a court order. Yeah. So they've got that process of going to court by sort of doing a little bit of a U-turn yeah. um, and then getting there anyway. And I've found it's definitely a team effort. Yeah. The reason I say that is because a lot of my professional colleagues are positional. This is what you're legally entitled to. Do not yeah. veer from that because you're definitely going to get 50% of the pension and 80% of the property, regardless of what the mediator tells you or what the other side is, is looking for, that's your position. Yeah. Whereas I like to think my approach is, look, this is what you're legally entitled to. However, there's no guarantee you're going to get that. So by all means, go into mediation with a view that you may have to concede some of that. Yeah. Because I think by having the legal advice is great, but don't stick to that when you then go into mediation. Yeah. Because mediation does require you to be a little bit flexible. 
And yes, we both know what our positions are, but ultimately they're going to be different. They're not going to be exactly the same. If they were the same, we wouldn't need lawyers. We wouldn't need, we wouldn't need the court <laughs> system. So I do think it's a bit of a, a team team effort. You know, yeah. get yourself a really good mediator, a sensible mediator and a sensible solicitor that's going to potentially work to helping you get a result. And the reason I say that is because I want to come on to the cost. Yes. I know when you come over to my camp, it gets very expensive <laughs> just for both parties. Because obviously we've got one household that's mm -hmm. potentially paying for two solicitors and two barristers. And of yeah. course, there's court fees along the way. There's the time off work. There's the stress of it all. There's the filling out all the paperwork. So it gets very expensive when it gets contested. But mediation is a fraction of that cost. So to give people an idea of how that funding works, Debbie, what would you say? So we're different in the way that if you email me and I'm emailing you back, we're not charging you each yeah. time we're That's a converting. huge difference, yeah. So if you're sending me a letter or however we're doing this, um, I'm not actually saying that's how many hours and minutes. Um, yeah. The only time it's chargeable is the time that we spend together. So if that's an intake meeting, yeah. if it's a joint session where we're working together with your ex, yeah. um, all of those are charged at one set fee and they're all at £150 per hour yeah. per person. So you'll find that, for example, we may do three to six sessions yeah. as a standard amount that we'll get to the end of mediation. Yeah. And because you're splitting those costs, most times half each, unless you tell us otherwise, um, it'll work between... 1200 to three and a half thousand pounds as yeah. a total case yeah um and that's fairly sort of set in stone really you're not going to have a big surprise um and within that money is actually the charge for writing up the memorandum of understanding at the end so you've got your intake joint sessions and the paperwork and that memorandum from a solicitor's point of view is so important because it contains so much detail. I mean, these aren't short documents. These no. are lengthy documents that you guys put together. Yeah. Um, and when they come to us then to turn into a consent order, um, they're vital because you have covered everything off. Yeah. You've covered off the properties and the pensions and you've covered off the children. You've covered off any sort of loan repayments or debts that the parties might have. Yeah. So that them in themselves are going to be so cost effective because when you agree at mediation you then don't have to spend the time both of you explaining to your respective solicitors because both solicitors will have a memorandum of of, of understanding so it's it's just perfect in that regard yeah yeah it is i mean and we do cover everything we yeah. literally have to look at everything and like you say where they're swapping documents um we make sure with the full me, you're swapping everything. Have yeah. you seen the bank statements? Have you yeah. seen? Have you had the house valued? Yeah. Do we know how much the car's worth? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got all of this information. And we do say that, you know, you have to be open and honest. 100%. We're not going to be hiding anything because yeah. if it does get hidden and doesn't actually get sort of disclosed, it can come undone. Yeah. So we don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, so it's got to be very open and honest from start to finish. And, and on the forms that we then send to court when we have the consent order or the financial order or whatever order it might be that we're sending into the judge, the forms will say, have the parties had the benefit of a mediator? How did they arrive at this agreement? And if we tick that they've been to see a mediator and they've also had independent legal advice, 
you know that that order is going to sail through yeah. because that's ultimately what the judges want. All the judges want to be able to do is know that both parties have come to an agreement themselves. They're not under any undue influence. Yeah. They've both had a little bit of legal advice, so they know exactly what they're entering into, and then judges are happy to just seal it off. And, of course, if everybody could do that, it would be great. We'd get so many orders through the exactly. court. So it, it really it really does help. Um Debbie, I'm going to put a couple of comments to you. Okay. So I've had so much interest in mediation. Always do get a lot of interest in mediation. Um, so I'm going to throw some things at you that some of my followers have asked me. Um, first one is, I believe mediation can work, but not with people who are controlling or manipulative. They have zero interest in resolution. I think that's true to a certain degree. There are people that have zero interest in resolution um, there are people that sort of completely sit on the fence and they're not actually keen to try and sort out the property the finances or anything else yeah and I think in some cases it really does need to go down the legal route um, if it can be mediated and there's a way forward we'll try our best but that that is entirely true yeah. sometimes you're not going to get very far yeah you're not going to be able to, to fix that we can't change I say to some of my clients as well we can't change the personalities no court no. order is going to change someone's personality it will give some sort of framework, but actually we, we do we need people to be agreeable yeah. ultimately and to just try to bend a little bit. So, yeah, probably not going to work for the controlling <laughs> ones. Um, comment number two, not with an abuser. And now I know we've we've covered a little bit about the domestic violence, but you were saying it can work in, in circumstances. If you're comfortable, I mean, I've had incidents where it's a bit of a historical situation. Um, they've moved on um, it wasn't pleasant yeah but they're now in a better position and they're they're ready to mediate um yeah. i think if it's very now and happening and everything else then it wouldn't necessarily be an ideal it might be too situation raw. would yeah. be too raw. Yeah. yeah um next comment costs a fortune and she got it for free how's that fair I'm can you get free free mediation um you can get mediation with something called a family voucher okay. that's to do with children and there are children involved and yeah. you may well be eligible for that and that's a 500 pounds towards okay. mediation it's a government scheme yeah you can look that up on the government web website i'm assuming that's what we're talking about yeah or possibly public funding legal aid legal aid um but again you'd have to check your eligibility for that so you don't do legal aid we don't but we do refer to you a do very refer. lovely lady yeah. who does do legal aid and is the, do you know the criteria that you have to satisfy in order to get legal aid for mediation or I not? I don't. No, I do okay. know you can do that on the government website. Oh, you can okay, check. great. great. Um, but I don't know the exact criteria for that, no. I only ask because in family law, you can get legal aid if you have, for example, been a victim of domestic violence. Oh, right. So yeah. that's the only reason I throw that out there. I don't know, guys, if it's the same for mediation, but as Debbie says, check out the government website. One more comment, um, Debbie, if I may. I'm too nervous to try mediation. Yeah, that's understandable, and some people are. And I think that's sometimes a perception of what is mediation and do they actually know what mediation is. And sometimes having a, a chat, a sort of 10-minute phone call about what might be happening, how it's going to work, um, will alleviate that. And I think once you're in mediation and you've had the first session and you've spoken about what you're trying to achieve, I think some of those fears go away. But if you are completely too nervous and don't feel mediation for you, then again, it's voluntary. Yeah, 
yeah it's not going to be for you and for those of you that are maybe thinking of trying mediation that may be nervous or you don't think oh it's not going to work for me and my ex do you know from the outset debbie if mediation is going to work so just to give those listing a bit of comfort that you'll steer them if you think well do you are you able to to judge from the outset or i'd love to be able to say yes i yeah. can judge from the outset um i've had a few surprises yeah. i generally think this looks like it's going really well and then you'll have someone hit one tiny teeny issue and it blows it all out of proportion and you're back sort of a few a few sessions before and at the beginning um and i've also had some that look like they're not going at all well and then all of a sudden you'll start talking about the children they've got the children in common that's obviously something that's really important to them and they kind of gel together ah. so it's it's never a sort of a set science or a set formula but um ultimately yeah you, you can't always tell do you use that as a mediator where you find the achilles heel and you think oh here's a common ground do you find that you can then use that to yeah. help maybe yeah yeah you can find that some people it's a time factor you know and when you're talking you're saying sort of the court process takes x amount of months we can do this in however long we yeah. just need to find a way forward um you can find that's an expense we yeah. can say it's going to cost and sometimes you'll get almost to the end of mediation and you'll be out by so many thousand pounds ten thousand pounds hundred thousand pounds it doesn't matter the amount um, and once you start talking about what legal costs might cost them oh, yeah. if we have to go and fight for that it might be worth splitting it down the middle um you're finding a common ground again yeah 100 percent. i mean and and as a lawyer i am always pushing my clients to mediation because my personal view is that that couple have worked their entire married life or yeah. their relationship life if they're not married um to build up that pot and they really don't want to go throwing it all away exactly. on legal fees whereas mediation it's a far more um they're in control as we've discussed they can decide the outcome and 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 obviously a lot cheaper yeah I could talk to you about this all day, Debbie, and I really hope that you guys that have watched this podcast have learned something about mediation. One of the reasons I wanted to do it is because I actually met Debbie when we were doing a mediation course a few years ago. Yeah. Um, it wasn't for me, clearly. <laughs> I like the more legal, regimented route, but obviously, Debbie, you are an extraordinary mediator. For those of you that want to get in touch with Debbie, um, her contact details are on the screen now, Debbie's website. Um, we use Debbie all the time, guys, so give mediation a go. If you're thinking about the legal route at all for family law, please, please, please give mediation some thought. Um, thank you for joining me. Thank you for It's been me. an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. And guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget, like and subscribe. And look forward to seeing you again next Sunday for another Tea with the Queen. Bye-bye. Do not lose that. <laughs>